I saw David today when I was out on a walk. David looked at me, and as I waved at him multiple times, David looked at me and then walked in. I gave you the wave. Oh, I think you gave me the finger. I gave. Hello, my name is Mike Sobiak. I'm not Todd Turpin, who is the winner of multiple awards, but I'm doing this podcast with my friend David Needs in my quest to get an EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and that other one that I can't remember. Tony! Tony. So we're here. The name of this podcast is 1852. 51. Oh, I'm sorry. Eighteen fifty one. David Needs is our expert, and I am not. I am rank ignorant. So we're glad to have David here to talk about campus history, all that kind of stuff. David, tell me about how you got interested in history, how you got interested in Carson sure. Newman, such. Well, I'm a son of a history, son of a history teacher, so you know it was <laughs> natural. Yeah, car trips to wherever were hey, say all the presidents in order, you know that kind of right. thing from my dad. So, can you it, still do that? Oh yeah, can. Let's see. Let's hear the first ten. Uh, Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, uh, Adams, Jackson, uh, <laughs> uh, Van Buren, um, and I think that's ten, isn't it? I can't yeah. count. I, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, I did that. Um, I, I got a degree in political science and history from Carson Newman. When did you come to Carson Newman? I graduated in 92 okay. from Carson Newman. And where did you come from? Delaware. I know I ended a sentence yeah. with a preposition. I don't care. Yeah, that's all right. From Delaware. From Delaware. Huh. And so, it, you know, the South was foreign to me. So this this history that I've learned is is kind of been – it wasn't stuff that I learned in the classroom. It was just kind of through um, – uh, not osmosis, but you know, sure. certainly looking and and research and and everything else, and you know, the, where it really kicked off was um, Alan Morgan was clearing that property that we now know as the Creek property at, at Carson Newman, and right. and we had been given it as a university as a gift, and he was finding a lot of different things that were history related, and and being I was teaching uh, for the late uh, Jim Bumgarner uh, his history class, and so Alan said, hey, there's some things that we found out here would you mind looking and see what they are? Cause we don't want to destroy them. We want to take care of them. We want to preserve them. And so from there, it just kind of, I went on a journey. Um, you know, one of the first people I talked to was a, a man by the name of Cleve Smith, who's Elaine Smith's father-in-law who was, uh, wrote, wrote a book about the battle of Mossy Creek. And I would talk to a lot of people at the Dandridge courthouse and different things like that. And as I went through, it kind of opened one of those Indiana Jones journeys that you, you look for, <laughs> yeah. you're looking for that elusive treasure that you may never find, but right. you, you have a bunch of clues that open the door or national treasure, one of those movies. And so it, it's opened the door for me. Um, I'm right currently in the process of researching a book about the, the, the lives of the soldiers that fought at the battle of Mossy Creek. And, um, through that, we, we've, we've, I've taught a class called uh, The History of Mossy Creek, 1850 to, to 1900, um, and our students have been involved with that. It's been, it was a hands-on history class where it was, you know, they were involved in projects and things like that to discover our history, and, so there, and right. there is so much here, and, and that's you know, just part of, the, of, of what has drawn me to it, for sure. You don't have to answer this now because you might be talking about this in a future podcast, but what's the coolest thing you guys have found down at... Uh, Mossy Creek. No, it's it, it, we we found. And med- by coolest, sure. I mean the most expensive. Well, we found medicine bottles that date to the Civil War era. Um, oh, neat. Along the creek, and so that kind of helps us date some things that we've found. We found iron slag, which is good because that shows that there was industry down there. Um, huh. We found a, a lot of different things that are 
very specific to eras. And, and, you know, because we've been involved with this, people have give, just randomly given, given me stuff along the way. Say, Hey, right. we found this in our yard, you know, or, um, we, we, we have this artillery shell that exploded in our family's home and we didn't know, and it was stuck in the wall for years. And an artillery we, shell. Yeah. One of Lily's shells that was, wow. was there. And so, um, and so, you know, just, you just have a lot of different things that are there that, um, that, that along the way that people have kind of said, hey, I found this or found a railroad tie or something like that that we found along the way. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. And you're also, you're the president of the, Civil War Society? The Lakeway Civil War Preservation Association. Oh, and, wow. And I was just kind of dragged in by one of our professors. Um, Bob Trenum said, hey, would you like to go? You know a lot about <laughs> the Civil War. And within a year, I was made president. And so uh, <laughs> and so it's, you know, it, it, it is good, though. And it, what what where are we going to go today? Well, I think that if, if we're going to talk about anything in our university's history, I think we need to talk about um, that period of time up to 1860 or so, uh, that, that, that early time of where, why, why is it called Mossy Creek? You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people say Mossy Creek, and they know it as a creek, but they don't realize that at one time that was the name of the town. Right. And, and um, till 1900. But also, you know, why, why, why would you put a college here? You right. know, and, 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 and that's, I think, for us that, that sit here in the walls of the buildings, it's important to understand, you know, the, those brave souls that went out there and said, <laughs> hey, we're going to form a college when there is no college here, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to build it. And I, and I think that that's important for us to take a look at and just kind of examine. When does Mossy Creek come into existence? Really in the 1780s. There's never, it it never became incorporated till it became Jefferson City. So it was always an unincorporated town. Um, And at one point in the 1870s, it was like the 10th biggest city in the state, Um, which was in the 1870s. (laughs) Really? It was was, for a while, rivaled Chattanooga and Murfreesboro and some of those other places because because the industry came in because of the water power. Huh. And so you have this natural creek that flows out of the ground, that flows into into the Holston River. We have to imagine that it was probably twice the length that it is now just because it, the Cherokee Lake's over top of where a lot of it was at one point. Actually, could you speak a that you're answering a question, had in my head before I sure. asked you, what does Mossy Creek look like before we have the lake and all that stuff? Well, uh, there, there's early accounts that I've read that, that say that about every 400 feet or so, there would have been a waterfall of six to eight feet. So, huh. so if you have that waterfall of six to eight feet, you can imagine the water power that it would support for a lot of industries. And so early on, what you have is you have a lot of different industries that start to pop up around along the creek, um, and most of which were on that kind of that Carson Newman property and where the creek eventually bends. And what you have is, you have mills, lumber mills. You know, I, I'm from East, I'm not from East Tennessee, but, you know, what people will tell you if you're down in a certain part of the Carson Newman property, um, it's called Sawmill Holler. And, and, <laughs> and it was because that was where a lot of the sawmills that operated to run mills went through there. There was corn mill, you know, there were grain mills there. Um, there were carding mills. So they were, they were using water power to, for cloth to make cloth. Um, I mean, we know that Davy Crockett lived on Mossy Creek for a little bit. Um, and so, you know, the Davy Crockett, you know, a lot of people that the coonskin cap Davy Crockett, but his family owned a farm on Mossy Creek for a year or two. Where, where does Mossy Creek start and end? 
Um, it starts in the late 1700s and really ends as a. Oh, where's it start? Start. The actual oh, yeah. Creek. Well, there, yeah it I'm comes sorry. out of the. It comes out of the ground. Um, kind of where there's a, there's a, on eleven E there's a water plant right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so actually it's pretty close to the source. Okay. Of, of where it comes out of the ground and it ends now in Cherokee, but right. at that time it ended in the Holston River. Okay. Okay. And so that was such great land for farm. You know, you have that this running water, and it's it's a natural, powerful spring that right. dumps out. So this area is very desirable. Right. Desirable in terms of agriculture. Sure. Desirable in terms of industry. Yes. Um, relatively close to Knoxville. Yes. Right? So is, are those some of the reasons why this then becomes a place that uh, our school is going to be started? You have to look at the modes of transportation, right? Mm-hmm. And the modes of transportation then determine whether it's a good place to live or, or not, right? So, right. So initially, you want to have the place where you can walk and travel and and, and, and go, and then maybe uh, is it along a horse trail? Um, then is it along a body of water, right? So if you're near water, and, and is that water navigable? So you, you wouldn't take a big boat down Mossy Creek, but what you could do is you could take your whatever supplies you had before the train, and you could take it to the Holston River, and you could take it from the Holston River all the way into Knoxville. And so there's reports of people that, you know, they, they fill a barge up and then they carry it to Knoxville instead of carrying it in a wagon. And so when you have Mossy Creek and you have the, the relative closeness to Knoxville, but you also have that you're kind of in the middle of East Tennessee. So you're right. relatively close to Bristol. You're relatively close to Virginia. Right. I think that it, it becomes desirable. And, you know, you have people like John Roper who – was is kind of one of the founding people of Roper's Tavern. I think is it's still next to the courthouse in Dandridge, um, and then his his son-in-law uh, George Branner um, it comes along, and and then he has a son named John Roper Branner, so he names him after his father-in-law and everything else. And 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 Branner, John Roper Branner, um, in the 1840s, they were kicking out this idea that the thought of a train, the East Tennessee, Virginia railroad, so that would have basically hooked Chattanooga all the way up to Bristol um, comes about. And, and it's going to take a while because we know in East Tennessee, nothing's flat, right? So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so you have to put a railroad in. So John Roper is kind of a younger guy at that time. And they're going to look to put a train through Mossy Creek at some point or another. So where people assumed at first they would put it in because it would be the natural a natural point is on what we would now know as Montcastle Street, which is kind of between the campus and Levine. Right. And so, and so people thought that that would be a great place to put the train in and it could go directly to Moorestown and things like that. And, and John Roper comes in and says, no, I got a better idea. I've got land. I'll donate it for the train station. You put you run the trail you ran the railroad right through my land, and as we do that, what we'll do is I'm going to have a station. My only stipulation will be that every time you have a passenger train, you need to stop in Mossy Creek, and so then he builds restaurants and stores and everything else. <laughs> Eventually, the guy's the president of the railroad. Within, within about five years of them building it, he's the president of the railroad, and so. He, he, he was a businessman, and, and he had this great idea. And so now what you have is you have a creek that comes in next to a railroad next to a road. And see, Mossy Creek meets the Knoxville to Morristown Road. It meets the road to Dandridge because there was no railroad through Dandridge. There's the, Chuck, the bend of the Chucky Road, which we now know as Chucky Pike. Um, and so you have about four or five roads that all come in and connect right at, at what at that time was where the creek bent, um, it, at Mossy Creek. And so you had this kind of this five fork road 
hooked with a railroad and hooked with water. So it now is a source of industry and and it starts to grow and it starts to boom. And so people from Dandridge are bringing goods to Mossy Creek so that they can get it on the railroad. People from, you know, and they, and they start to put these stations in. And this like is the 1840s? 1840s into the 1850s. Okay. And we know from 1830 to 1890 it was one of the greatest growths in, in creating universities in our history as a nation. And so in East Tennessee, there's this claim and call for a denominational, they want a Baptist university. And so in the 1840s, they, they said that, I read, a, I read an article in one of the newspapers, the Post. Why did they want a Baptist university? Well, that- to train young men to, to develop their Christian faith and to train new pastors. Okay. So there was, you know, so they were want- the closest Baptist university at that point. Um, there was one that they had tried in Murfreesboro. And then there was none other in East Tennessee. So uh, huh. there were a bunch of offspring kind of... Was Union in existence? I don't think Union was at, okay. at that time. And, okay. and, and Tusculum has a Presbyterian, Presbyterian school. Presbyterian school. And, okay. and, and Maryville College was a Presbyterian school. But they, they wanted to f- have the denomination wanted to be represented in East Tennessee. And so there was a lot of debate, like, where do you have it? And, and so at the same time, you know, and it's amazing to see how God works with, with, with people... The, the Newmans and the Carsons and the people like that that were instrumental in getting this college to come about or meeting and saying, why not here? Huh. And, and so they meet together and they start to discuss what is going to happen, how are we going to do this? And as they do, they, they start to look and say, it's feasible. It's it's practical. It's, it's, it's something that we can do. And so... Um, they, but they need land, and they need they need teachers, and right. and they need a lot of other things to go on. I think that's honestly the way you describe the community being a hot spot right. is really surprising to right. me. You know, I think it would be surprised to our students too yes. to think, uh, when can I go to Knoxville at times? That's right. right? You know, <laughs> right. this would have been a really happening. Yes. To use current lingo, happening yes. place. Yeah. And you, you think about it when the train comes in now, a journey to Knoxville isn't an all day adventure. I mean, you look at the train schedule, yeah, it, it, it took about two hours by train to get there or three hours by train because it made stops. But what, what it would have been— <laughs> How often did they stop? Well, they stopped about every five miles. <laughs> you stop in Newmarket, stop in Strawberry Plains, wow. you know, and then they'd stop for about 10 minutes or whatever. And, okay. And so, you know, you look at the train, and, and, and so if your relatives lived in Talbot or Morristown, what would have been an all-day thing on Sunday after church. Now you can start going and visiting your relatives, you know, in down there, and they can pick you up at the train station. So I think that that's important as we look at that because then as they start to do that, they start to meet at the Mossy Creek Baptist Church, which is on the Carson Newman property. We know it's it's if, if you've ever walked the creek, it's it's on the other side of the rock crusher towards the end of what the Carson Newman property is. It's kind of in an open field, and... And so the denomination feels like it's 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 the time. And so they're meeting in Mossy Creek anyways for the the Nolichucky Association. And so they they have this idea that they're going to they're meeting here already. So why not put the put a college here? And so they had a teacher um, Robert Bryan R R Bryan that was already teaching in this area, kind of in a, an old abandoned building, and he was teaching people of various ages. So they're like, all right, hey, we'll, we'll bring him on board. So the original university was like. One person recruiting students, one person teaching students, and then that's it. <laughs> how, much, how much did they uh, pay? How much did students spend to go to school? It cost here? $100 a year to go for room board tuition. That's quite a lot of money back then. Back then it was. Right. The and tuition, the, all the classes were in the church? 
all the classes initially were in the church, but and but they were trying to build a building as as fast as they could because the church basically said, "Look, you can be here for a little bit, but we need you gone here pretty quick." <laughs> and and because it was, they said it was interrupting the business of the church. And so what they say is, is we're going to start to build bricks from the local clay. Um, we're going to build a we're going to build a building. We're going to build an administrative building so we can get students to come here and we can teach in that building. And so the initial students stayed in boarding homes. And then, and then after that, they said, well, we're going to build two dormitories. And, and the Newman family is going to give us a bunch of money, and we're going to call it Newman 1 and Newman 2. So those were the, <laughs> those were the dorms. Uh, and you can imagine that. Are those still over on East Creek? They, they East are. Creek, um, those, East Campus, I'm sorry. So it would be on the east side of campus. So the original buildings we know are on the other side of Mossy Creek. The original campus that would you would say truly is the campus of the university is where the Ken Sparks building is right next to the football stadium, where almost where the cross is, right there on that hill. And that's the, that's the class building and Newman one, Newman two. And Newman one and Newman two. And how many people could live at Newman one and 84. Newman two? 84. 84 total. 84 total. Men. There's no Eight, women. No, no, no women. And it's everybody from elementary school through college. And so it's, it's a boarding school. It's a, it's, it's everything. So when you went to, this would be Carson college. It, back then it was the Mossy Creek Baptist theological seminary, but you could go there as a elementary you, school kid you could, to learn basic English or basic math and have a, a quote unquote, cl- more of a classical education. Were you, did you live in a dormitory if you're one of these elementary kids or you're one of the kids? You could, you could if your parents had enough means to send you there. Oh, well, if you wanted to think about how is it similar, it was still a, a, a a liberal arts education, right? You know, know, it was, it was so the the Carson Newman students that enjoy a liberal arts education, that's always been the case, you know, And, and yeah, you only have one or two people teaching it. But it was a liberal <laughs> arts education. And you had one or two teachers for all these students. For everything. So if you were a college freshman, you weren't in a classroom with an elementary ed No, kid. no, you, okay. would have been, you would have been with more peer group. If the, you're a college freshman, yes. what does your day look like? Are you, do you go to school five days a week? Yes. Do you have chapel? Uh, they did have chapel. Every day of the week? Um, reports vary, but some say that they, they had some kind of worship. They had a certain time where everybody had lights out. Um, there were, the early advertisements make it, make a deal about there's no vice. There's no what? No, there's no vice in Mossy Creek. <laughs> and so, um, but they also talk about how picture, picturesque it, the, the community was too. So there were a lot of things to be involved with. I can imagine young kids having to go down to the pump house to pump water, to bring it back up the hill to the college kids, the college kids, okay. or even making <laughs> elementary and middle school, middle school age kids have to go do that. But you know, I, I think that the, when you look at that early university and, and how how it was, it was probably a little bit more for people of means or people that truly wanted to, to be a Baptist preacher or had their Baptist church felt like this was a bright young man from their community and wanted to give him an opportunity to go. Tuition was, was, was a re- the relatively cheap part of this whole thing. It was about $30 a year. So $70 was the room and board part just because they had to stay locally and be fed locally. And if you were a Baptist preacher, often they would forgive any kind of cost. Or if you were going to be a Baptist preacher, they would Who forgive. Who would forgive the cost? The university would. Their college would. But not everyone here is going to be a Baptist No. Minister. In fact, the first graduate's a doctor. Doctor. So, so. <laughs> but he didn't get his medical education No, here, he went right? to Jefferson College afterwards. Okay. I'm not sure where that is or was. Did they, um, did they have sports? Did no, the school have no any sports, sports at that yet. point? No Nothing. sports. Clubs or anything like that? They had actually had two literary societies, the which were around for 
hundreds, uh, over a hundred years, the Philos and the Columbians were, 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 there were two literary societies that would bring different guests to campus and to, to speak and things like that. But, and when did you start school? Um, usually around the first of October. So kind of late in the harvest season. Oh, sure, and, sure. The, and then you would go all the way till Christmas and then you would start again in January and come back. And then, uh, sometimes they would start a late term in March, uh, depending on, they kind of had some uh, different terms based on what your needs were. You know, if you were a high school student, you just needed a basic freshen, refreshing, or if you were a college student and you needed the full, 16, 18, 20 weeks. 20 weeks was what a lot of times they practiced. So they didn't have semesters per se. They did, but they, they just called them in weeks is what they were. So Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What would be the most surprising thing you think uh, for a college student to go back in time to them? I, I think that the, the discipline that it was required of them, that it was closer to a boarding school than it was probably a college as we know it today. I mean, it would be like going to West Point more so than it would really? be just because of the the importance of that. But I think also the size. You know, you're talking about like some of those early classes of four to five graduates. And, <laughs> and so, you know, when you look at that, you're not in a room with, you know, your whole university is the size of what probably on a college side is probably what, what our classrooms are now, you right. know, at, at 30 people. And then by 1855, really to 1857, 58, you get to about 155 students. So it grows pretty quick. It grows pretty quick, and, and the amount of students that come here and the, what they experience certainly is, is is a lot bigger. Are we known as the Eagles? Not then. Not really? Then, not, nothing. Cause, nothing? Because you don't have a sports term. So, so. One last question for you. Do we have anything from 1851 here in Jefferson City that survives? Are there any buildings? That... Um, a couple homes that couple are homes. pretty close um, in age to, to there. Not many. Um, and, and the sad thing is, is that a lot of them are going further and further. So the old downtown is really not 1851. It's, it's been built over and built over and built over. So you don't, you don't even have that in the old downtown, but you do have the landscape hasn't changed very much. And so the, this idea that you have this Valley and you have these Hills and things like that are, are very similar. It's still beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful area. It is. Awesome. Well, tell just give us a quick blurb on, on our next one. Our next one is is we're going to talk a little bit about this area and the Civil War, and so the Civil War is so misunderstood in today's history, um, and I think that the, <laughs> Siri wants to break. <laughs> That's all right, and I just think that what we have is with all of this is just this um, this understanding of what this area was because this area was, was, was an important part and it's, and often the history books only focus on the big battles, the Gettysburgs, the Shilohs and things like that. And they forget how important places like East Tennessee were. And East Tennessee is totally different than it, it will change the playbook of everything that you imagine about the civil war, because it's nothing in East Tennessee fits, fits the playbook at all. So. <laughs> well, cool. Looking forward to talking with you about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, this is the end of our podcast. Come back next time. This is Mike Sobiak. And David Eats. <laughs> <laughs>